the FujiCast. There we go, Kev. We, we've got to have some Spanish music for you this week. I, I thought we'd get a bit of a Spanish theme going. <laughs> are you having a good time? And are we going to be able to keep this this um, this expensive link between us for the next uh, however long we we talk? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Right. You got to yeah. you got you got to paint the picture. Whereabouts? So this so the Fuji Cast this week, by the way, is very very different to the normal Fuji Cast. It will be so for the next three weeks because I'm in the studio. In uh, well, it's not so sunny UK today, um, and you're in Spain where it's always sunny. Uh, temperature today is what? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really looked today, but it's it's been kind of hitting 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, Are the children roasting out there? How, how yeah. are we doing the show today? You've sent them outside or something, haven't you? They're down by the pool, yeah. I'm looking out through the window at the um, Cabrera Sierra mountains, yeah. um, blue skies, geckos running around. All that stuff. Have you yeah. met any of those horrible, creepy crawlies that that we see on your feed all the time? No, no. Actually, it's a bit cooler this year, so the um, I think the creepy crawlies are staying away a little bit, which is so which no is good. no scorpions. No, I haven't seen any scorpions yet. No tarantulas. No, 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 no tarantulas. Nope, no tarantulas. Nothing. Oh, I found yeah, I found a couple of big old spiders drowned in the pool in the morning when I cleaned it out, but uh, I don't think they were tarantulas. Just Wait a minute. Hold on. You you clean. You're cleaning the pool out. What? Where are your manservants? <laughs> yeah, well, we're at Gemma's um, dad and his wife's house. So I know, but it's, it's a holiday. They live there all the time. They should be sort of serving you on hand and foot. Yeah, bless them. They're absolutely as good as gold. They spend all their time with the kids. They feed them and everything. And me and Gemma just kind of uh, named around drinking cerveza. And oh, sounds perfect. I let you into a secret, by the way. Kev, Kev spoke to me a couple of days ago. He said we've got to go. We, we hadn't, you hadn't moved for a couple of days. We've got to go out because we've run out of beer. <laughs> that's the only reason. Yeah, that's the thing. So Brian, Brian stops the fridge up with beer and wine when we get here. Yeah. And um, uh, and we, we drank it all in kind of three or four days. So after four days, we decided we needed to leave <laughs> leave the house Yeah. and uh, take the drive. We, went, we actually took the kids down to the beach yesterday for – it's about a 20-minute drive away, and there's a supermarket down there. And, right. um so, is that the closest place? Because you are you, you are literally in the middle of nowhere, aren't you? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, actually, I mean, it looks like we're in the middle of nowhere, but we're we're only forty minute drive from Almeria Airport, mm. so uh, twenty minutes from the nearest beach and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's actually perfect. There's nothing around us where we are, but we can get to places pretty do, quick. And do you have neighbours? Yeah, there's a couple of neighbours. Um, it's hard to explain, but there's a couple of um, other houses nearby, although not that close. Um, and then in the valley, and they're in the valley, I should say. And then the valley itself is huge, and so the little, the little hamlet of Mithala, M I Z A L A, is our nearest place, which is um, I think it has eleven houses. There's a little church there that they open once a year for fiesta, which is on the fifteenth of August, which we always go to. Um, that's it. Same old people sitting outside their house every year. Um, that's it. There's no, there's no school or transport. You, there's no post here, for example. You can't get post. Um, the post has to go to the nearest big town, which is Sorbas, and they just leave it with the um, in the town hall, and you just go and get it yourself if you need you it. Mean, what, leave it on a table and see if you'll come and pick it up or something? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And why do you sound like you're speaking from the bathroom? Well, I'm in the living room. So Spanish houses are, are um, they're quite echoey, newer ones anyway. This is an old Cortigo, which has been rebuilt. So it's been built to withstand the heat. Um, I've got all of the, the, the shutters shut yeah. and the window shut to keep as much of the noise out as possible, including those noisy cicadas, which you might be able to hear in the background. I can't. You should see, see for, the ne- for, the, for the next episode, we should open the windows and, and let, let the Spanish world in. See, well, see, right. Let's uh, launch off while while we've. Well, and by the way, in the middle of this, um, so I'm sorry that Kevin couldn't take part in this bit bit of the show that I'm about to mention. But it would have technically been, you know, it would have driven me to the cerveza, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So we we decided to, on the Facebook group um, to invite in uh, Fu- Fujicast friends. So I've I've uh, kind of diarised my day ahead of me to speak to different people at different times. I've already spoken to a couple of people before we even turned the microphone on this morning. So uh, I've diarised my day as well. Yeah, um, what is do this? And then every hour on the hour for the next hour, next 
uh, three and a half weeks, it just says beer. It just says beer every hour. Yeah. Mm. God, <laughs> your liver's going to be, your liver will send you home after a couple of weeks. Go on, sling your up, go home. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, in the, in the middle of all this, we, we've, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Fujicast friends, and um, there's some. There's there's a little bit of uh, it's a very quick fire. Going to fire through a whole of Fuji, a whole whole load of. I'm just going to say listeners. I'll keep making a mistake otherwise. Uh, listeners, uh, and at the same time, there is a random, not so randomised, random question that each of them has to answer. Something like lens you can't live without, first camera you own, best photography book you own, uh, most embarrassing mistake you've made. But the uh, first time you'll hear that, Kev, is when it goes out. So <laughs> you, you'll have to be a listener yourself. So go yeah. on, you, you've got some questions there. You can launch first. Good afternoon from the US. This is from Jack Sharp, Instagram, uh, jacksharp.photography. I've got a bad case of gas. Luckily, my budget doesn't allow me to go down the path of actually acquiring the gear. It's really more of gear envy and tricking myself into thinking I could take better photos with what someone else else has. That's not what I'm emailing to ask about, though. My question to you, Kevin Neal, what are the practicalities, I presume, um, or practices, sorry, each of you have to keep the creative juices flowing? I find that I frequently get creative dry spells, which lead to doubt in my creativity and photographic abilities, which leads to my gear and skill envy. I know gear doesn't make a good photographer, but for some reason, that's just where my brain goes when I get these dry spells. Uh, You both rock. I have listened to your podcast for a long time and I've loved almost every episode. Almost. Uh, almost every episode. <laughs> Which one didn't you love, I wonder? Oh, yeah. um, thank you for being so consistent with your content and taking time to answer the questions of us commoners. So, um, well, commoners. I don't know, what, do you, what do you do to keep your creative juices flowing? And by the way, sorry if you can hear some screaming in the background. I think Rosa is, uh, is manhandling. Oh, blimey. Oh, what has she just dropped on the floor? <laughs> that, was a, that was a frying pan falling over in the kitchen. There's, there's literally, there's nobody else in the house. So that 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 has to be a ghost. Has Gemma, um, has Gemma just popped in and hit somebody with something? That's what it sounds like to me. Cool, but the screaming you, you may sure? pick up is, oh, no. is screaming his head off. No, that's, that's Gemma. That's Gemma. I can hear her from, I can hear her from here. Um, I can see her out the window. Yeah, go actually. on then. Um, what was your answer? So, to the question. Yeah, your your creative practices, your creative juices. What do you do to keep your creative juices flowing? Do you know? I I spend a lot of my time looking at, um, at YouTube. Mm, um, I knew you were going to say that. D- uh, yeah, I'm a bit obvious. I I just um I I I love watching the uh, the creators on YouTube, particularly unknown ones. There's um there's a channel called Nick Rice Photo, which um which I I I, I follow. And um, well, do you, I, I don't think he'd mind. I, th- I think he'd um, he describes himself, I think, as a troubled soul. I'm 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 really interested in Nick's work, him as a photographer, not because he's one of these star YouTubers, but because he's a very real photographer with with you know real world issues and there's just something. And I, I'm inspired by what I'm inspired by watching people who are working to be their best in the genres that they choose. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, actually, with the YouTube stuff. There's a lot of great stuff on there these days. And, and it's funny because I was, I was reading an article the other day, I can't remember where it was, where, like, YouTube is huge in the United States. More people watch YouTube on a basis than they watch Netflix or any of the domestic TV channels in the United States mm. combined. It's, 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 like, absolutely Whereas in the UK, less so. There's there's a lot less people who seem to be interested in UK. And if I look at my if I look at the stats on my YouTube channel, by far the, the biggest kind of demographic is is the United States. It is. Uh, I love it. There's a, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Um, and you know, and as the as people have heard before, I've got loads of books and stuff yeah. that I just kind of keep dipping into. But Instagram as well for me is is probably an amazing thing. You know, I I have um, I use the little um, uh, favorites. Uh, part of, of Instagram, it's you know where you can kind of tag yeah, an image yeah. that you really love, and I categorize them. So I, I I create folders in that kind of favorites area. So like portraits and family and weddings and street and all that kind of stuff. So in the in the portraits one, I've got people like Louis Galvan. Uh, in the family one, I've got um, the amazing Cara Mew, who um, uh, we we wanted to get to speak at the X Weddings Festival. But um, unfortunately, she's due to have a well, not unfortunately, fortunately, no, fortunately, she's due to have a baby on the same day as the festival. So, she, yeah, although that would decided not. Otherwise, not we, we would have been all there with hot towels and uh, not hot towels, <laughs> towels and hot water. Yeah, exactly. So, Cara Mew and uh, lots of people like that, you know. And uh, I think it's great. And and 
you know, what, what um, Jack was kind of alluding to, I think, is something that we all suffer with, which is when you see amazing work, you somehow think, oh, you know, I can't ever be as good as that. It just, you know, and then you, and then you sometimes don't want to look at it any longer because you just, uh, I, I'm not sure envy is the right word, but maybe self doubt or, you know, whatever. And uh, I think, isn't that what did for Picasso or not Picasso, but, um, you know, one of the famous artists who mm. ended up chopping his ear off and all that kind of stuff because he, he never thought he was good enough. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that that's, there's a lot of people suffer from a little bit of that. And, and I, you know, I kept myself in that. But, you know, you've got to keep your eyes open. You've got to look at the amazing stuff that's out there. And you're never going to be as good as everybody else. You're never going to be the best person, that's for sure. And, um, you know, so bear that in mind and just keep keep looking and loving and admiring and thinking, yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I'm going to use that as a little bit of inspiration and, and see where my journey goes. I, I, do you know, I should start using those Instagram, um, uh, what do you call them again, where you can... You well, I call it favourites, but I don't think favorites. it is. It's when you tag, you know, you can tag yeah, a, yeah, yeah, uh, an yeah. image. It's the little oh, bookmark, I think. It's bookmark. bookmark. I've been using bookmarks for the wrong reason, you see, because when I see an advert and I think, oh, I'm going to check that out a bit more, I bookmark the adverts, and that's caused all sorts of trouble. <laughs> so you know what? I was listening to I was listening to Matt Hart the other day on Facebook talking about Instagram and how how it's you know it's fallen apart because it's full of adverts and blah 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 blah. I never get adverts on Instagram ever. I, 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 I must be the no. I never ever get in adverts on Instagram. Not that I'm not that I notice anyway. On the feed as you go down, this every, every what is it? Every three these days, come on, somebody tell, tell us. But I've got. A, have you got an Instagram business account? Uh, yes, I do. No, or is it personal? Oh, would that be the difference? I don't know. Mm. But that's the only thing I can think of. Mine's a business account. I just I never see adverts ever. Uh, okay. Hmm. All right. Well, you've just mentioned Matt Hart, funnily enough, and and something's just come in from him. So uh, let let me just tap on that. Um, <laughs> he's doing a plug. Are we allowed to do a Matt Hart plug? Should we do it? Um, yeah. We have a photo comp, and the the adults are doing fine, but the uh, there's no kids. They're, 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 we only have a few. It's free to enter <laughs> with great, that well. <laughs> great, great prizes. I don't suppose you can give it a shout. It's, it's, it's nice to see what the kids can do with the pictures. A bit later, I know, as it finishes at the end, end of the month. Um, but uh, go to Fujiholics um, for the Photographer of the Year, Fujiholics Photography. Yeah, and I'm, I'm one of the judges for that. So, oh, okay. So, so Fujiholics, they are having a festival in Hull yep. um, called, uh, well, it's part of the HIP Festival, which is the Hull International Photography Festival, which is every year. Um, I'm doing some talks there and stuff. But the, the, um, the, the competitions, I think he's called them, Fopti, right? <laughs> Fuji of the year or something. Fopti, I don't know, something like that. And um, yeah, there's there's uh, the adults doing well, not enough children entering, and the prizes are amazing. There's like cameras and all sorts of other stuff. So if you're a youngster, I think it's under the age of sixteen. I think right. you might want to check. Um, and you've got some pictures kicking around. Enter them. It, it, you know, just oh, enter them. I'm, I'm going to get my my little Thomas who who he, he loves doing this sort of stuff. I'm going to get Thomas to enter that. Right, and yeah, Matt's, yeah, Matt, Matt's yeah. just writing back. This is all in, in sort of real time ish. Yeah. All right, um, Chad Erickson. Uh, See, there's another mail. Uh, I was wondering how you. That was that was good timing, though. I was wondering how you could talk, uh, if you could talk a bit about your album design process, both of you. Do you have a specific philosophy, or do you just pick your favourites and put them in order by time? How much input do your clients have? How many pictures do you usually include, and so on? Uh, I want the clients to have the album they want, but I also want to be happy with the design. I find these two goals many times uh, conflict each other. Just wondering if you could provide some some insight. Thanks so much. Love the show. <laughs> Love the shoe, as one of my favourite uh, broadcasters yeah. says. Chat, chat. That wasn't. An, sorry, that wasn't an email, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. That wasn't an email, what by the that? way. I closed my email down after the last faux pas and copied it all to Notepad. And then and you got um, a message from what Matt happened Hart. was my, my computer my computer reminded me that I'm doing podcast recording at 10 a.m. this morning. <laughs> there we go. Um, right. Uh, the, the, did you hear the album thing while well, it was all binging and bogging yeah. in, uh, at you? Um, yeah. how, how much input do your clients have? How many pictures do you usually include? But, you know, funny enough, Chad, this is this has only just happened to me that um, somebody sent me. I always my suggestion to clients. I don't know what what yours is, Kev, but I always say just send me a list of the ones you don't want in there, and I will pick from the rest because I'll be able to you know uh, the, the, create a cohesive design which all makes sense. Um, I'd be scared they'd send me, uh, you know, they'd remove everything bar two pictures. 
Well, the, yeah, that's yeah, and I did get I did get one back recently that had loads, of, and, and I actually phoned them and said, "Did you not like your pictures very much?" And they said, "No, no, 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 we were just helping you." And I was thinking, "No, that didn't help me. That made life much more complicated." Just take out twenty or so, and I'll choose from the rest. And then I find that you know they they just swap around a couple of pictures, and that for me works really really well because to go back to what Chad's saying here, uh, it it gives me an opportunity for for me to be happy with the design because I can see which pictures work together. And okay, if they mm. want to tinker a little bit, fine. But there's only one rule: you don't stick black and white into a color page, and vice versa. Uh, yeah. And and then that and that that seems seems to work okay. And that that way, I feel they've had input. Um, they can feel I've had input because. You know they're they're selecting an album based upon something that they've seen I've done, so it's it's pointless them trying to design it because um, it won't it won't resemble what they've seen and like, and that kind of works for me. Now you work an entirely different way with albums because because I, I I you know a lot of my albums have 150 to 160 images in them. No, so I don't. I, I a typical album for me will be 30 sides, um, 15 pages, 30 sides. And if it's 30 sides, then I'll encourage the clients to send me. I use Zenfolio so they can just select their favorites. Um, I get an email and I tell them that to have no more than 50 images in that 30 sides. Um, that way, I could the images remain quite big and I can do impact pictures. But I also say to them, if you can't get 50 images then uh, let me know and I will give you options. And that way, uh, you know, you can upsell the pages and size and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's typically how I do it. But in terms of the layout, it's always chronological. I agree with you in terms of black and white um, on black and white. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty quick. I don't, um, uh, I use uh, Jorgensen Album Designer, so it's drag and drop, really, really simple. There's, there's no drama in album design for me, none whatsoever. It's, it's it takes minutes. Really? Yeah, 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 absolutely. yeah. yeah. I, mean, I suppose I'm slightly different in that in the, uh, there's also text involved in my albums. So um, often you'll see speeches and, and things like that um, appear so people can remember what they've said. But that, that's a whole different kind of design process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Um, they, they, are, they are slightly shorter um, halves um, this week, fine people. Um, and that's because um, we can't keep Kev away from the Zavesa too long. So we're going to go into our, our first... Um, our first ever listener meet, I suppose. Well, that's going to be... A, it's it's going to be a... Um, see, I, I, I told you I'd come straight out of that Fujicast Friends thing. So a list... We'll call it a listener meet. It's, it's our first listener meet, and we'll talk about Brighton in a second as well. Um, but uh, we gave you an opportunity, and we'll do this again if, if it's successful, to uh, to give us a time you're available. We would get in... Or I would, because Kev's in Spain. I would get in touch with you. Find out a little bit more about you and then ask a, a random question. First up then for this feature, it's going to be Clive Blair from Brum, Birmingham. Hi, Clive. Hi, Neil. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very good. Now, I know Brum a little bit because I, I dated um, somebody from, from Birmingham. Okay. And, uh, she used to work in the, uh, is it Rackham's, the big store? Yeah. Is Rackham, yeah, is Rackham, Rackham still store, there? Man. Is it still there? Uh, oh, you know what? I haven't really uh, passed through Birmingham City Centre that much to know because they've changed it all since they uh, built the Bullring. Oh, yeah. And all sorts of uh, shops have come and gone. So I'm not sure if it is still there, actually. Ah, so so you, I mean, you're in the heart of Birmingham, but not the heart of Birmingham, as it were. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I suppose where I live is actually north of Birmingham, but okay. I know the Birmingham city centre, even though I don't know Rackham's, <laughs> if it's still there. It's that big shop in the middle. Now, yeah. you're, you're you're mainly a wedding photographer, aren't you? Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at your website as as we talk. So so that's your chosen genre. Any other genres, uh, portraits or anything else, or, or do, you, do you stick by weddings? I really stick by weddings. That's what I'm known for. I don't advertise for anything else. You know, other things will come along the way, but I am known as a wedding photographer. And stylistically, you're you're a bit of a mix, aren't you? By by looking at it, it's it's a bit of pose, bit of documentary. Yeah, I'd like to be one hundred percent documentary, but personally, what, what, my what, feel what's, is what's this. stopping you then? Even though I enjoy taking documentary, I still like the time when I take the bride and groom away, uh-huh. uh, just for say 10, 15 minutes for what I call a walkabout. Yeah, and I just like that artistic side as well, just to capture some nice you know, romantic, but in an informal setting, uh, photograph. Well, what are the venues like uh, in, in Birmingham? What's your favourite? 
oh my word the fa the the, the favorite the, they're not actually in birmingham because i actually travel around so there are quite a few stately homes some with moats like there's new hall that i quite like yeah that's in the heart hall, of yeah, birmingham yeah, yeah. um anywhere else in birmingham Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. As I say, I do travel around, so I can't really say there's one particular venue in Birmingham that I uh, go to a lot and that is my favourite. Well, I know you travel around because I'm, I'm just uh, quickly zipping across your blog here and I okay. see Warbrook House. Is that the Warbrook House Berkshire? Uh, no, that's... Oh, there's um, another one. There's another okay, one. Okay, hold All on. Right. Now I've got to think now. Where is Warbrook House? Because well, I go to these venues. There's one near, there's one near Basingstoke. Um, but that is oh yes, it's London Way. Yes, yes, yeah. it is. Uh, London, yeah, Berkshire. Yeah, that's the one. And yeah, because so. I've worked at Warbrook, so I, I I know that one. Oh right, yes. I was forgetting that was yeah London. That was a friend of mine, another photographer who uh, asked me to shoot his wedding. No pressure. What does uh, it feel? What does it feel like when you when you're asked to photograph a, a photographer's wedding? Oh, it's it's a privilege, but also it's nerve wracking because even though they trust you and they say just do your thing still it's nerve-wracking because you know that they are they can pick holes if you like not that they would mm. but i suppose it's just my mentality thinking oh no what if they pick up something that the average customer mm. wouldn't pick up but I, I suppose actually they're also a bit more understanding aren't they they're they're more likely to to get what you're doing and and if anything perhaps interfere less yeah there can be that side of things yeah so it's like a double-edged sword really yeah. they uh, they appreciate the art and they will as you said they'll get the things uh but as i said it may be it's just the way that i think and i worry too much but you know so far i've not had any uh issues so i've enjoyed it when other photographers book me now i'm doing i'm doing a funny enough a, a wedding for a photographer this sunday and um, when we sat down to have a chat, our, our preamble chat, she said, now, I, I tell you one thing. I thought, oh, here we go. Oh, okay. I, and she said, I don't want to feel like I've married the photographer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Well, I get it because what, what she means by that is, you know, I don't want you taking over my day. I, I you know, I want to spend time with my guests. It's, you know, and I, I get that. And I've, I've, I quite, I've quite embraced that. You're not marrying the photographer. It could be a good marketing strap line, I think, Clive. I, I, mm, I'm always picking up, uh, looking out for new uh, things <laughs> yeah. that I can put on the yeah. website. You're, so. not marrying, you're not marrying Clive, could be. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> be. Right, we're going to do a random question with you. Oh, um, wow. So, so okay. here we go. Random, 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 random. Where will it stop? So, ah, who inspires you? And you can't say Kevin. Oh, oh well, that throws it out the window then because I haven't got anyone else <laughs> who inspires me. What photographers do you, do you look at? Do you look at other people's work? I don't. I try not to, even though invariably I do gravitate towards seeing other photographers' work. But I try and look at non-wedding photographers' works. Ah. Uh, no one in particular. I just like to get a broad spectrum, different styles, so that I can incorporate my own style, if that makes sense, without it being obvious. Oh yeah that is such and such a photographer's uh, influence uh, in your work clive great to chat to you thank you for being first up on this feature well uh, thank you for inviting me on appreciate your minutes there thank you oh, welcome thank you next up stephanie stephanie baxter now stephanie you are the managing editor of fuji love magazine you come with a title yes that's right <laughs> how, <laughs> how long does it take to edit that because that's a that's a that's a, a huge project yeah it takes quite a while um so we're sort of yeah working on like a rolling month basis but then we're always obviously having to look ahead and kind of scheduling new contributors for future months and stuff but um yeah it doesn't seem like work in a way because i just love it so much and mm. being able to kind of look at people's work who I really admire is just so great. How did you end up getting that position then? Uh, it's quite a funny story actually. <laughs> um, so a couple of years ago I was already reading the magazine myself and like I'm a bit of a grammar, um, like I'm in the grammar police. Oh my, oh my word. <laughs> and then um, so I just emailed Thomas um, who you know whose company it is just to say i love your magazine i hope you don't think this is rude but have you considered having a proofreader for the magazine <laughs> um and it all just stemmed from there really so yeah i started out just doing the proofreading and then i could see that he had so much work 
um, and was so busy that I just kind of, you know, got in touch with him again and was like, look, let me take some of this stuff off your plate. Um, so, yeah, it was just quite an organic process. That's a great way to do things. That's a great attitude to have, isn't it? Because yeah. so many people think, oh, you know, that's wrong. Maybe, But actually taking the initiative and doing it, you know, I'm sure you did it in, in, in a way that was polite. Yeah. Um, to, to then put yourself out there and say, oh, I could do this for you. That was so not like me as well. Like I'm very much someone who kind of just sits back because of the fear yeah. and everything. But I just thought, you know, you've got to just take a chance sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. what's some of it? Like I've got this whole new job and it's just been amazing. So, what, what, um, what do you photograph? What's your what's your genre? Um, a bit of kind of different stuff. So I love street photography. And I mean, the whole reason I got into fo- photography in the first place is because I used to work as an air hostess at British Airways. So I got oh. like a DSLR to take on my trips and it all kind of stemmed from there. So kind of travel and um that sort of thing I love as well and then I've sort of been dabbling um with a bit of landscape as well just love getting outdoors and and kind of yeah just recording what I see and stuff but um did you ever make photographs of those that were traveling on the aircraft I'm sure that probably would have been a, a firm no-no wouldn't <laughs> no, it? no that would have been a really fun project yeah, to do. yeah yeah and, uh, and last week, um, you could probably clear this one up, actually. I don't know don't know whether you heard this. Or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, Kev said, um, we were talking about the bongs on, on aircraft when you take off. And he said, the first bong says, uh, we've taken off OK. And the next bong means um, cabin crew released. Is he right or wrong on that? When you say released, do you mean you can get out of your seat? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. the first bong says, everything went <clears throat> fine, chaps, we're OK. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, and he said, if it bongs twice quickly, bong bong, that means we're in trouble. Um, no, not necessarily. I think uh, I think the two bongs was like when you, because you can call each other. If you're in a different cabin to your colleagues, you can call through. So sometimes uh-huh. it's just us calling each other. Because oh, so Kev got me worrying. He said, if there's two quick bongs after you've taken off, that's you know, <laughs> that that's um, you know, calling Sully. Um, no. <laughs> so I feel a bit. I, f- I feel a bit more secure now. Good. So, so magazine wise, so let's draw it back to the magazine now. Sure, sure. Um, are you? I don't suppose you're allowed to. Thomas might might not like this, but are you allowed to give us a little lowdown on some juicy stuff coming up? Yeah. So we've got the August issue coming out tomorrow. Um, so by the time you hear this, it will be out. So that's okay. Oh so, yes, so, it will be out. So it will have just come yeah. out. Um, and we've got. Um, Mindy Tan is going to be doing, she'll have done our cover for us. um, And she was doing an article talking about um, photographing when she went to um, Cologne, which I think was for Photokina last year. And yeah, we've got some great interviews um, as well. Um, And we have um, Paul Sanders, he's been doing a series on mindfulness and um, kind of just being a bit more in the moment when when doing photography so that's going to be great as well so um we've got a we've got a random uh, randomized random question for you just to just to face okay i think if anybody can answer this you can <laughs> so i i'm going to randomize the randomizer who inspires you and you can't say Thomas and you can't say kevin gosh so many people one person i've really been inspired by recently is patrick larock oh yeah um yeah. and just i love how he captures just everyday stuff, like everyday images, but in just such a profound and beautiful way. Mm. Um, And I used to take kind of a lot of everyday photos a while back, and I've kind of got out of the habit of that. But seeing his work just really inspires me to kind of take that up again and just make photography part of my everyday rhythms i think you've heard his story about how he went on that road trip and it it sort yeah. of rescued his his photographic mojo as it were yeah yeah, yeah. It's amazing. wouldn't that be an amazing <laughs> thing just to i'm going oh. i'm going away darling for uh, yes. for a month or two well, that's oh. fine see you later I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Neil. Next up, it's Reuven, it's Reuven isn't it? Reuven Gotts. That's correct. Now, you're from California. 
I live in California. Live in I'm California. actually from South Africa originally. All oh, right. I moved to Canada when I was very young, grew up in Toronto. About four years ago, I moved to New York City, stayed there for about three years, and now I live in Los Angeles. No wonder I can't work out your accent at all. Yeah. <laughs> now, you came uh, to, to Fujifilm in a kind of roundabout way, I think, from, from what you were saying when we were just genning up for these calls, didn't you? Yeah, I did some photography when I was young. My dad set up a dark room in the basement and um, I learned how to develop film and uh, and do enlargement and stuff. But I never really considered myself a photographer or took the idea of composition or ideas of pictures very seriously until I moved to New York City. And I thought, I can either walk to work looking down and thinking about my problems, or I can look up at this amazing place. Mm. And so I just started using my iPhone to take pictures, and I'd post a few from time to time on Facebook without much fanfare or anything. But when I would speak to my friends, they would say, I love seeing New York through your eyes. Um, it really uh, can really tell that you love it there. And, and, and it really kind of shook me. I'd never thought of ever being a person who could do that, who could convey something by imagery or anything even close to artistic. I wouldn't call myself an artist in any way. So so I thought, okay, maybe I should buy a better iPhone. And a friend of mine told me that around the corner from our office was the Sony Square, which is a big showcase place for Sony to show off all their different tech. Yeah, And I went down there and they have these um, photo sessions where they have Sony artisans of imagery come in and uh, give a presentation, and then you go on a photo walk, and Sony lends you a camera. So I didn't know what mirrorless was. They asked me which model I wanted. I had no idea. And uh, a friend had lent me a big Canon DSLR and decided that wasn't for me. That's why I was thinking of an iPhone, uh, because in New York, it was hot and sweaty in the summer, and the big Canon weighed so much, I didn't want to take it with me. And so then I got to try that Sony mirrorless, relatively lightweight, relatively small, amazing picture quality. And so I bought one, and uh, so that Sony Square thing really worked out for them. So I bought one and started carrying it around. And then I had to, you know, I had a couple of lenses and I had a big bag because I wanted to carry it with me all the time. And I didn't know what kind of photography I was doing. I didn't know that there was this term street photography. But I started watching YouTube videos and started um, reading blogs. And I came across a woman named Valerie Jardin. Um, who is a street photographer. And that yes. kind of gave me a name for what I was doing. And I started following her and others. And even though the Sony was so much lighter than that Canon, it still required me to carry a special bag to carry it around with me. And, uh, and th then I really started to get like Fuji Envy and this X100 model. And, and then I found Kevin's videos and... Was I'm that sold. was that the original one then, Reuven? Was that the the X one hundred the the original flavor? Not no, uh, the F. Sorry, the F. That uh, oh, okay. it was only yeah. not that long ago. So it was when the F came out, which seemed like the the perfect culmination of that of that stream. Yeah. Um, so I went and bought one, and and I just loved it. I I loved everything about it. I I. I I stumbled in my own way on what Kevin talks about, which is shooting in Acros mode. I like seeing things in black and white. Um, I like composing in black and white. Um, and I started to walk around New York City and take pictures, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, having moved to California, I realized that doing street photography in New York City is kind of like being dropped into a game in easy mode. It's it's all right there for you. <laughs> it is. That's a bit like in, in our country, going into London and doing it, fine. Because in New York, they just walk past you. They don't care, do they? They don't care. That's number one. Two, there's always something going on. There's always some activity um, happening in, some in front of some interesting architecture, whether very modern or very old. Um, there's uh, steam sprouting out from the streets. There's workers. There, you know, there's just like life yeah, on the street yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just an incredible experience being able to, to shoot there. And then when you come to Los Angeles... Um, and in New York, I walked everywhere. I didn't even have a car. Here, when you think about anything, you think about, okay, I'm going to go down into the garage and get in my car and drive and find somewhere to park. Uh, you know, it just puts a, you know, puts a damper on, on the whole thing. And then there's no energetic city center. There's great places. I love going to Santa Monica Pier and, uh, and other parts of, of 
the Los Angeles area, but it's it's not that same kind of energetic city mm. life that I miss. So you're shooting now with the X100F? Yes. Um, I, I looked, I can't look at it at the moment because I, I don't want the thing to keep binging at me, but, but I looked at your Facebook profile. Wow, some of those landscapes are just incredible. Um, so landscape is a whole new world for me that well I'm it's a whole new world that looks amazing Reuven. thank you thank you i i um started the landscape because i i was feeling actually quite depressed over that lack of new york feeling that i had here and thinking what am i going to do photography has become this passion and uh, i can't really figure out how to do it and what to do with it and so i started to um, take advantage of what's here, which is some amazing landscapes, um, and and so I'm I'm learning a bit about that too. Yeah, well, it's 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 incredible work. Um, in in terms of um, what you, do you do, you shoot professionally or because I don't know wh- whether you're a full time professional or not at all. Um, I I work in technology consulting, okay. and uh, photography is my side passion. Would you do do us a favor on the Fujicast um, Facebook group? Um, would would you mind sharing some of your street work and some of your your New York travels? Happy to. I'd, Happy I'd, to. I'd love to see that, um, and I'm sure those listening now would would love to see that as well. Right, we're going to do a random question for you. All right, that was my randomizer. Ah, so <laughs> favorite Instagrammer. Um, you you mentioned YouTuber, so I'm going to give you a choice. Yeah, that that you watch a lot of YouTube. So I'll say you can have favorite Instagrammer, or you can have a favorite YouTuber. Favorite YouTuber, Sean Tucker. Ah, um, yeah. Really like that guy. I like his sensibility. I like his images. I like the stories he tells and how to think about uh, about those things. Uh, a really impressive guy, worth following. We'll, we'll go look for that. And uh, uh, Reuven, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for, for, for offering yourself up for this experience as well. Thanks so much. I love listening to the show. I love the interplay between the two of you. And uh, it's an honor for me to be here today. So thanks so much. So time for a couple more. First up, I think it's going to be Janet. Bra- is it Bra- it's Broughton, isn't it? Janet Broughton. It is, yes. yes. Hi. Now, I've, I've looked at some of you were absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's, oh, okay. yeah. So, give, give for, for the listeners. Tell us exactly what you do, what your kind of photography and your your photographic passion is. I have a passion for all sorts photographically, to be quite honest. Uh, but if you look through what I'm sharing online, you'll see a lot of still lives, a lot of indoor still lives, um, a lot of flowers, gardens. I shoot almost always with lens babies or vintage lenses, um, and I work a lot with textures. I design and sell textures, but you. You know, they are my passion to to sort of work with them as well. But I do sometimes shoot portraits. I did start off in business shooting portraits and the odd wedding, but then I found myself not shooting things that kind of lit me up, just shooting for clients. So I've, I've kind of really transformed and, and sort of shoot the things that make me happy, basically. Do you prefer shooting then with just flowers and the inanimate objects, if you like, in the shot instead of people? Um, I do enjoy shooting people. Um what I did fall out of love with was only shooting for clients. Um, so I just kind of followed the things that lit me up, if you like. So, yeah, I still I do enjoy shooting people. And what do you, uh, I'm what? working on a personal project at the moment where I'm shooting people's hands holding ah. inanimate objects. So they're basically they're objects that have no value, no financial value, but they have a really high emotional value to the owners so i'm kind of shooting people in that way but i'm not actually sharing any of that work at the moment till it's finished and i can share it as a complete body of work what a great idea how do you approach people and say i just want to shoot your hands what 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 information do you give them what's the reason behind it what do you what do you say to them i just stick it out on facebook to be quite honest tell people i'm shooting this project uh, explain what's behind it that most people do have something that's not worth anything to anybody else for me it's um a little brooch that was my grandma's she died when i was probably about eight um so don't have a lot of memories of her but do remember that she always wore brooches on a court and she didn't have a lot of money so the brooch is you know it's totally worthless to anybody else but it's got a lot of value to me so that it was my object that kind of triggered this idea that most people will have something like that that's totally worthless so you know when we go they'll probably end up thrown away i think it's, it's an ama- amazing idea and you've, you've just reminded me so much of my my dear grandmother from enfield rosie 
um, who who wore brooches all the time. Uh, she was yeah. a, of a generation where you just wore a brooch. That's it. That was the same with my grandma. It was that generation. So I'm 53. Um, my grandma's been dead a while, so maybe if she was alive, she'd probably be about 100 now. Um, but yeah, it was a generation where they did, you know, they weren't dressed if they didn't have a brooch on the court. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, we're going to do a, a random question for you. So here, come, here comes the, here comes the, ra- the, the not-so-random randomizer. Oh, I like this one. Um, one piece of kit you'd love to own. So, um, yeah, money's no object here. You can just waltz into that uh, that shop there and buy what you want. What would it be? Oh, gosh. I am the least kit-driven person in the world. I'm really, I'm not interested in cameras or anything. So, gosh, what would it be? What do you shoot with at the moment, then? Well, um, there's a bit of a story. So, I've shot with Sony's for years. I have got a Sony... Alpha 99, which is a DSLR, but I've been having shoulder problems. So I bought an XT20, which is a bit of a, in a way, a bit of a backward step, but I bought it because it's got so little weight. Mm. And I absolutely love shooting with it. And it's great with my vintage lenses. So I don't know, maybe I'd, I'd like to find a, a total vintage lens emporium and, and buy lots more vintage lenses you could spend, um, you could i spend, honestly don't know i don't i don't crave gear at all that's probably no. the worst question you could have asked I, me it probably, should we should we ra- should we randomize the randomizer again Let, let's do it again here we go here we go <laughs> yeah. no, it's a sec a second chance right <laughs> okay um most embarrassing mistake you've made mm. Uh, photographically. Yeah, photographic. Oh, yeah, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be so rude as to ask anything else. <laughs> um, walking backwards, shooting a client with a horse and not realising there was a small hole behind me just big enough <laughs> for my foot, and my foot going down it and falling over. Oh, were you okay? Then, you didn't sprain an ankle or something, did you? Uh, no. No. And even if I had, I would have put a really brave face on it. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm okay. It doesn't <laughs> hurt. Damage but nothing else. Yeah. Janet, thank you very, very much for your time. Nice to talk to you. And you, Neil. And so finally this week, it's Cliff. Hello, Cliff. Hello. Hi, Neil. Uh, Cliff Hughes, isn't it? That's right. You're not a photographer, are you? Not full-time? No, not not at all. I have done the odd bit of um, semi-pro work, um, but I was the son of a photographer. My father ah. was a professional corporate and industrial photographer in the 60s and 70s and early 80s. Indus- so. Industrial photographer? So, so yeah. what's that? Well... In those days, he actually worked for a photographic department because in in that time, most big industrial companies ran their own photographic departments. So oh. they would have perhaps uh, five or six guys, and it was always guys, um, sitting in an office with all the gear and the darkroom and everything, and they'd be producing process photography for all of the industrial processes that needed to be catalogued and uh, uh, documented, and also the PR stuff, you know, for for um, products that they were making that they wanted to put out in press releases. Wow, so that that's, that kept him busy, I would have thought. Yeah, and then, then at the end of the 60s and early 70s, they started to close all of those departments down and he became freelance like just about everyone yeah, else. And, yeah. and then had to make his own living after that. And I was in my mid-teens by the mid-70s, so I kind of came in and helped him out and... Uh, he trained me as a darkroom monkey. Do you think that's missing from... I know this is the old argument, and I can almost see people raising their eyes now, going, oh, go on, Grandad. Do you think that's missing from those entering the profession, knowing the alchemy of, of photography? Or is that just a bit of old romantic claptrap? Well, I, I've sort of got two views about it, really. I think there is... I see the the argument that it is a bit of romantic claptrap. We've moved on. You know, technology has given us these remarkable tools which allow us to do things I simply... You couldn't have done. Mm. Uh, a few years ago i mean my father did very few weddings but he, but when he did do weddings he um he uh, would take 50 um five rolls of 120 so that's what 60 pictures wow right and okay. that was that was it yeah and and you started at the beginning of the day with a picture of the bride in the mirror um you know with her veil on and then you'd finish the last shot you took was the cutting of the cake which you actually staged before they cut it but you you did it at the very beginning of the reception and then he or i would drive off to the lab straight into the tank you'd get processed we'd be back at the reception by half four with a proof book and we'd be selling 
setting orders straight off a table. Because because not everybody was a photographer, that must have been a fairly lucrative way of working. It was pretty lucrative, yeah. I mean, it, it was a very good business. I mean, if we'd have done it full time, we would have done probably slightly better than just the industrial stuff, I think. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, he, he didn't want to do weddings. He didn't like um, the pressure of it um, because, uh, or rather the, uh, you know, it was just... He didn't really like working on Saturdays. I think that was the truth of it. No, no. Well, you need to you need to be okay about that if you can be a wedding photographer, particularly but, in that particularly in that era. That the, yeah. there weren't really many Wednesday and Thursday weddings. No, and the irony of he was just really good at it because he yeah. got on with people so well. And in those days, it was very much organising all the group shots yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. And of course, now I mean, I, I I posted about this on the Facebook page. I went to an air show a couple of weeks ago just to test a lens out. And I sh- I came back with three thousand shots. Mm. Well, yeah. you couldn't do that in the film days. I, I can almost see. I can. Is is dad? Is dear dad still with us? Or no? Sadly, not. No, he died about 20, 20 years ago. I tell you what, though, I can almost see him uh, from the grave, uh, looking over his glasses at you now, thinking three thousand shots, uh, yeah, well, son. It, it, What's going on? <laughs> How much it, money is that? <laughs> it, it's a great uh, shame that. Um, that he didn't get to see. He just was on the real cusp of the digital revolution, which yeah. he would have loved because he was really into all of the technology and everything. Yeah. He'd love it now. Now, I have to do a, a random, randomizer question for you. So are you ready, are you ready for this? Here we go. Um, ah, Now, you don't photograph people for a living now, but you work in television, darling. Um, yeah. So, but, but this is still appropriate. Somebody you'd like to make a portrait of. I think uh, if I had to choose anyone dead or alive, I'd... I'd probably choose um, someone from the war years, the Second World War years, probably Winston Churchill, yeah. someone who I was genuinely interested in myself, um, uh, just to meet. But would you dare uh, take that cigar out of his mouth like Carl Oh, no, did? definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but someone like that, probably, from, yeah. or, or one of the RAF um, leaders, you know, um, Bomber Harris or oh, Trenchard blimey. or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there have been loads of pictures of them anyway. So it's yeah, but this really is your it's, yeah, but it's your spin on it, and it's somebody you'd like to photograph. And you'd yeah, like I to think make. someone like yeah, that would be really yeah. interesting. Thank you, Cliff. It's been lovely talking to you, and uh, thank you also for for listening to the Fuji Cast. Oh, it's a pleasure, Neil. Thank you very much. We'll continue with more friends of the podcast listener stories while Kev's in Spain, and I'm back in the UK over the next uh, few weeks. Thank you to those who took and will take part over the next couple of episodes. Part two, then. Um, we're not doing the simpler straps while while Kev's away. We're we're giving JP a chance to hold on to some of uh, some of the some of the straps that he has, and we'll we'll come back to doing that in um, when, when when Kev's back in Blighty. You probably don't want to come back though, do you? With all this sunshine, back. yeah. If I ever come back, yeah. Um, by the way, if the kids walk in because we heard that, don't worry. Just invite them in. Maybe Albie c- could do his. Um, he could do his payoff. <laughs> that might be a sneaky way to get him to do it. Is he having fun? Because he's always in that. He's always in the pool in the pictures you show. When you're you know what? I I adore the fact that him and Rosie Gelms. I mean, of course, they have sibling rivalries, but they they love each other so much. They play really well together. Mm. And um, you know, I saw to Gemma about this the other day. For a long time, when they were kids, even though we had it, we had enough rooms in our house. They they wanted to sleep in the same room. And even now, occasionally, especially on weekends and stuff like that, Rosa will say to Albie, do you want to come and sleep in my room? And then they, you know, they and they have a really sleep good bond. Sleepover, sleepover. Yeah, sleepover. And I think that's, that's you know, that's kind of, that's a good grounding for life, you know, yeah. I think, if you, if you can get on well with your siblings. You have to send yeah. us, you have to send us how you do that because Jack and Thomas, not quite the same rivalry, I'd say, every day. <laughs> Isn't it? Two boys. Two boys. <laughs> um, right, questions. Um, can I kick off with one? Go, go, go. Ryan Cook, um, please, could you tell us about how you set up for focus? Um, and that was it. Just a few few words. That was it. Ryan, a man of few words. How do you, how, well, how do you set your focus up then? Uh, you've, you've told us back button before and all this. So, so run through it because Ryan may not have heard that. Well, uh, a back button focusing, which is, you know, use the AFL button on the back um, that kind of uh, snap focuses and then you can manually focus override. The other key setting I think that people probably um, might be interested in is the um, uh, release priority setting in the menu. So I have my AFS set to focus and my AFC set to release. 
Uh, and the reason for that is because when you're doing continuous focus, you don't want the camera insisting on sharp focus or insisting on focus acquisition for every single frame in a continuous burst, especially if it's like the X-T3, which has 15 frames per second. So uh, release acquisition works better for continuous focus. Um, so it will still get the focus from a majority of the images, but maybe one or two at the end or the beginning won't be perfectly sharp, but it will. You have a much greater chance of getting the rest in focus. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that tip now for for continual focus stuff because I'm not doing that and uh, I'm having yeah. mediocre results sometimes. And that's probably why, isn't it? That's probably yeah. why. Go on then. Your question, Kev. Okay, so this is from Josh Rivero. Uh, good evening from Colorado, USA. Uh, buenos dias, Josh. Um, this, this message is a two-parter. The first is some praise for Kevin and Neil. The second is my question. Your podcast has been very inspiring to my photographic journey and as a recent Fuji concert. Concert, he says concert, but presumably means uh, convert. convert. Currently shooting XT20, 1855, 2.8. I find the content fascinating, etc., uh, etc. Et it's all um, transferable, for different camera flavors, etc. Blah, 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 blah. Good work. Well done. Uh, my question is for Kevin. I have chosen to adopt a documentary style for my photography after consuming your YouTube content and looking at your website. In keeping with your philosophy on using P-Mode, which I have used for a long time, do you find that prime lenses are an added tool for that, in that you do not have to mess with the focal length? I have been intrigued by prime lenses for this reason. Look forward to hearing back from you. Uh, much love. Keep up the excellent podcast. I look forward to it every week. Uh, yeah, so I only use prime lenses really for my stills work, and I believe that that is beneficial, although saying that, I know lots of people who use zooms and are perfectly happy with them, and it does depend. It's a little bit of horses for courses, um, but I do think that if you are using, for example, I shoot 2356 almost all the time, and that adds a cohesion to the look of my images, so the clients will see on the website pretty much what they can expect to get in terms of focal length mm. they, may, they may not understand it but they will they will see that and absolutely it makes it so much easier for me i don't it, it also forces you to not be so lazy well put it this way it forces me to not be so lazy if i'm using a zoom i tend to you know just kind of stand back and zoom in and out and, and i don't think that that's that's good for me although that's personally me not necessarily everybody else um prime lenses you know and typically prime lenses are going to give you better image quality typically although the fujifilm zooms are amazing um and i, I i'm guessing the zooms from canon and nikon etc these days are also amazing mm-hmm. um but, but for me prime lenses it just it's just one of those extra things that i don't have to think about and you know i've said it many times let it, the old advert let the train take the strain and if i can let the camera do as much of it as possible then i will do um and that includes yeah the lenses for sure uh, the, the when you mentioned the canon zooms the the best canon zoom i ever owned was that 24 to 70 mark ii oh phenomenal piece of glass glass yeah, heavy canon i only had the mark one of that they could right. mark two around um and it was yeah it was good but it was soft in you know kind of wide end and stuff like that so yeah well the, the new one definitely and then the 1635 was the other the other one um which <clears throat> which was good for but i mean these days with the um with the fuji film um lenses as far as zoom goes i do have the 1855 but the t- the 10 to 24 for me is a staple diet for uh, certainly for for when i'm film filming and, and doing kind of run and gun gorilla style recording it's stuff it's, it's, filming it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, i never I, I can't remember a time when i've used primes for filming no greetings from metro nyc uh this is from mark zilberman i met him in um, new york once oh mark zilberman yeah right really nice. okay um, I'm, I'm aware that Kevin went from zero weddings to about 65 in his first year in business, and I think uh, Neil's experience wasn't that much different. Yeah, you, you're right there. Uh, nonetheless, a very important question is, how, how does one grow one's documentary wedding photography portfolio from nothing? I've already heard about being a second shooter as much as possible. I, I sense a little um, frustration there. Um, mm. but, but that's a competitive niche. Moreover, there's not much guarantee that one will be given the opportunity to shoot in that genre. And, of course, sometimes people say you can't use um, – I, mean, I know when I've had second shooters, um, sometimes they've not been able to use the images. I don't want them to confuse – I don't want them appearing somewhere else alongside – 
uh, mine in a different place and people think, well, who shot this wedding? So that mm. can be an issue. I believe mm. most documentary wedding shooters are one-man shows as well. And it seems that most wedding photographers want their seconds to shoot with a particular body, be that Nikon or Canon. Like you two, I don't. I've thought of advertising on Craigslist at a competitive price, but I'm looking for other ideas. What say yous? That's Brooklyn for you two. I think this mm-hmm. qu- <laughs> this question... Um, oh, sorry. I think this question deserves a, a strap. Oh, and it does it probably does deserve a strap. But we're not doing straps this week, so maybe um, maybe, maybe another <laughs> week, Mark. Maybe another week. But but very good question though. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. I, well, I'm not I quite sure. You know, because instantly I'd have been saying go second shooting, but of course that's that's not the it's not the answer Mark wants here. It's hard. It is hard these days. It's harder now. You know, we did both go from zero to, to 60, 70, whatever it was in a year. But in those days, it was there was a lot less photographers out there, a lot less. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think now what I would say to Mark, and I think I've spoke to him about this, is, you know, find friends, find friends of friends who've got kids that are getting married or, you know, people that are getting married and, just do it for free, you know, initially, as long as there's people you have some kind of connection with, it's a friend of a friend or there's a, you know, there's, there's a trackable connection. Don't just do it for free for a total stranger. What about, what about the, what about the Facebook route? Yeah, Facebook, but again, do it, you know, share it with your friend in your friends or friends timeline. So, you, you know, there is a connection and just say, look, you know what, I'm really, I'm a very good photographer as Mark is. I know he is. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, to, to build this business and there's going to be people out there that, that aren't interested necessarily in spending money on photography and, you know, I'm going to do it for you for free or for, you know, expenses, whatever. And and that way you avoid the second shooter thing, you shoot by yourself, you'll, you'll yield good results. Um, and by keeping it friends of friends, you, you know, you, you there is not a, a complete lack of connection, in which case it could go a little bit mm. peat, as we say in the UK. So that's that's really what I suggest to people these days. Um, second shooting, yeah, you know, I've got, I have a couple of second shooters I use occasionally now as well, and they, if they are, if I'm paying them to do a job as second shooter, then yeah, they're not to use the images themselves. But if they are, you know, if I'm mentoring them or something like that, then they will, they will come along, and I will say that you can use the images, but they absolutely need to be. Un- unnamed so the clients can't be named the venue can't be named and um on the blog post it has to be a link back saying you know i was part of the shooting i don't want them to say I'm, i was second shooter i was being mentored by but i was part of the photography team with kevin mullins um that's it pretty much in the early early days um early days i remember and th- this might still work i don't know i i put because nobody else did this i put a load of postcards in churches mm. and uh, on those postcards um it was a picture a beautiful picture of the church in fact i i I ended up doing it in in you know you might not have the ability to do this straight away because you'd have had to have been doing this every single season but the churches that um were ongoing that i did this in i'd 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 got a picture from every season i'd I'd gone around and got the the snowy ones as well so snowy one an autumn one um a summer one a spring one um and um and I, I put these in um, little plastic holders, and uh, the idea was that they gave a, a nominal amount to the church, so the church uh, were happy to put these postcards there. And uh, on the back, it was um, advertising my wedding photography services. Now, you might think, oh, well, that's a bit of a long shot, Neil. But don't forget, if you get married in church, particularly in the UK, I don't, I don't know what it's like outside the UK, Mark, it might be different, I don't know for you, but... But there is a rule that they have to attend church so many times before they they get married, and so therefore, you know, a lot of these couples are going half a dozen more times, sometimes many, many more times, and sooner or later they might pick up a postcard and on the back it will say wedding photography. And I yeah. did get success off that system, definitely. So yeah. you know, you're not looking for Mark. You're not looking for. I assume out of this, you're not. You're, you, you know, th- these early days, you're not looking for ten, twenty, thirty, forty f- free or, or cheaper weddings. Well, of course you're not, because you're a businessman. But um, yeah. you know, in in if you can get three, four, five, six of of these, that that might be a system to to think about adopting. I don't know. And and wedding for uh, wedding photographers uh, don't always think. I don't think outside the box to use a horrible sort of uh, cliche. But they don't when they think about advertising and how to get to clients. There are many ways to to skin a cat, as it were. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I've got Molly here. She's sat here purring away next to me. Oh, Molly. 
Molly mm. the Spanish cat. Yeah. Does she purr in Spanish or English? Yeah, she goes la purr, la purr, la purr. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're, have you been at the Cervezas already? Put, put them on your cornflakes. Your question. It is a bit late already, mind. I must admit, it's nearly, well, it's nearly 11 o'clock. So. Yeah, it's got to be beer o'clock. Go on, your question. Okay, so this is from Dragos. Uh, Dragos, again, Dragos. Well done. Dragos. Um, dear, dear Neil and Kevin, congratulations for the Fujicast. Uh, blah, 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 blah. One quick question. Did you ever think about writing a book on documentary wedding photography? There are some resources on the internet, including one of Kevin's uh, one on Kevin's websites. But I found no comprehensive material on the matter. Could it be a matter of time or interest on your part? Thank you. I think we've both had the ideas, haven't we? Um, well, we, we, we sort of mooted um, a concept. You probably don't remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I have actually started. I've got, I'm, I'm a couple of chapters into one, actually. Um, but those couple of chapters were started probably 12 months, maybe more ago. Yeah, it must be more. More, more, more. What about, yeah. you? what about you? I mean, you, you've written you've written your X one hundred book and things like that, and then you. you... It's, um, yeah, I think I, I mean I've put so much stuff on f sixteen dot click over the years. I think I probably have enough content, but there is a book called Documentary Wedding Photography by a friend of mine called uh, Kerry. Um, I want to say Hargreaves, but it's not Kerry Hargreaves. It's Kerry Morgan, of course. It's Kerry Morgan who uh, she wrote this a long time ago, and it's a really good book. Although I don't think she would consider herself now a kind of purist documentary wedding photographer. She did, she's moved to the to France now, and she does beautiful, beautiful work. Um, but what strikes me mostly about her work is her amazing group shots, like from Vanity Fair. Um, really nice, really nice uh, woman, amazing photographer, and she did write a book called, and I think it's just called Documentary Wedding Photography. Um, and uh, that was by um, PS Publishing, I think, but years ago. So whether you can get hold of that any longer, I really don't know. There was also a book, uh, Joe Bursink wrote a book. Well, um, do you know, it's funny you should say that, it's here. It's called I Do, Jessica Simpson, I Do, Achieving a Dream Wedding. Was that the one you meant or not? No, <laughs> no. it was called, okay. I think it was called uh, Documentary Wedding Photography Again or something right, like okay. that. Um, but see, he's obviously written a couple um yeah i mean there are stuff out there if you dig deep enough but um i really want to do one i it's not so much about the uh the, the the kind of instructional element of it but um i i really in fact mine mine i i don't want to kind of talk too much about it because i'm kind of i mean i'm i'm on the way i'm on the yeah. way put it that way so this there will we, be some we, we've got a competition then between us to see who can bring the first one out or should we do it together yeah, well, yeah, we could we could launch it. We could do like Guns N' Roses did with that with um, uh, Use Your Illusion. We right. could launch both of them on the same day. <laughs> Yours would win. <laughs> I'd have to go and hide under a rock somewhere. No, um, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> uh, Mitch Stringer. Neil, I shoot with the X-T3 for my street photography and wish to add it to my sports photography kit. Uh, however, unlike my, and this probably should be you because you, you shot with the 1DX. However, unlike my Canon 1DX2, I see no way to tag photos for fast downloading and transmission during intermissions in American football and baseball. Does the X-T3 not offer that function? Keep up the great podcast. I don't think it does, does it? Uh, it's really annoying because this is something I've mentioned to Fujifilm a million times, and I know I'm not the only one. Uh, you can tag images. You can use the favourites. You can use the asterisk rating in the in the image review on the back of the, when you kind of press playback. But they are not. Um, they don't. They're not kind of read by Photo Mechanic or Lightroom or anything useful. So right. fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. If we all cross enough fingers, right? Everybody listening, cross your fingers right now. And if you've got toes, cross your toes as well. Um, and maybe something will happen because that's that's an, an imperative thing, I think. Especially, you know, they've got Tokyo coming up, the Olympics yeah. next year, the Rugby World Cup, and more people are using XT3 for sport. They've got the big 200 mil zooms. They've got extenders. They've got they've got the capabilities. But um, you know, he's right. They well, need to they need to do that workflow element. It can't possibly be that difficult. With Tokyo coming up, that usually means, and certainly people like Nikon will have a, a brand new flagship body out, won't they, for the Olympics? Yeah. yeah. No, no doubt about that whatsoever. Right. That's it for um, for this week. I know, slightly shorter episode, but you got you got you know, Kevin's Kevin's on holiday. You know. And so we, we, you know, we, we've, we've been keeping them a little bit shorter for, for the next three weeks. But uh, thank you, Kev. Uh, what's planned for your day now? <laughs> oh, it's a really busy day. Really busy day. I'm going to get up from here. I'm yeah. going to move over there. Um, I'm going to put a drink in my hand. 
and then maybe I'll move over to the pool a little bit later and uh, with a drink in my hand. And, uh, are, are you going to go out or do anything today, or is it just beer and pool? No, no, no. Uh, so tonight, uh, you know, maybe if I'm still awake. I'll look at the stars. We get lovely kind of um, uh, Milky Way stuff going on here. Although the moon is just starting to show again. Full moon is the fifteenth, so it's starting to show again, which kind of ruins the Milky Way. Oh, we we, um, we expect some amazing star photography in, in between, then, should we? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. Um, no. Oh no! But you've only, yeah, having said that, you've only taken the XT, uh, the X one hundred, haven't you? I have got the X100, but I did bring my X-T3 for filming, and I have got that um, Brighton Star 7.5mm. Uh, anyway, so I might go with that. I might watch the goats. The goat man walks the goats past the house, usually about 7, 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> what, a, what a busy day you have. Right, now I've got a challenge for you, and you, you, just, you have to apply yourself to this challenge, okay? Um, we need you to go record some payoffs this week. Yeah. This week you can have Rosa for the final time. My dad's Instagram is Kevin Mullins Photography. See his films on YouTube at Documentary Eye. His website is kevinmullinsphotography.co.uk. Or for street workshops, training, and everything Fujifilm, go to f16.click. And for me this week it's going to be Jack. My dad's Instagram is Neil James. See his films on YouTube at Neil James photo his website is neiljames.com for pictures and one-to-one mentoring and you can hear his other photography podcast which is called breathe pictures wherever you get your podcasts so when i say say rosa's uh, the, the final time you 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 can use it it's not at all of course she can be um she can do a spanish voiceover um mm-hmm. but but we need we need you to go find a payoff now it can be anybody you like it can be the folks that are there you've got your your father-in-law there of course haven't you um yeah. have you got the yeah. spanish gardener or something like that that would be good Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, she definitely won't. Uh, she definitely wouldn't do it. But yeah, no, I have plans. Um, I'm be mo- mostly next week. I might get some uh, proper Spanish stuff going. Right. Okay. Um, go and uh, go and find the goat. Your, yeah. <laughs> Your challenge is on. Thank you, Kev. Have a have a nice rest of the day drinking beer. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. <laughs>